Hey, it's Pastor Nick from Grace River Church, and I want to thank you for joining us today. I hope you find today's message encouraging and transformative in your life. We'd love for you to join us online each Sunday morning at 10 a.m. by visiting graceriverva.com slash live. Now, enjoy the message. part of our service, so I, I appreciate that. Well, church, how are you doing this morning? Good. It is good to see you this morning. I wanted to start off just asking a question. Have you ever heard someone say, well, that was an unexpected surprise? Or maybe you've said that yourself. Isn't that kind of silly to say? Aren't all surprises unexpected? That's an un- I was watching a show, and they said, you know, that's an unexpected surprise, and, and someone kind of snarkily snapped back, aren't all? Surprises unexpected. I had an unexpected surprise this week. Um, I was working on some schoolwork, finishing up the semester, and uh, my wife knows that around this time of year, I love the, the eggnog that comes in those glass bottles. It's so thick and rich. It's just good stuff. And uh, Tony really, okay. <laughs> I, Tony, I didn't say I spiked it with anything. I'm just saying it was, it's good, all right? It's good stuff, and, and she knows I liked it, and so I had a, a, long, a long week, and so she went to the store and brought some home, and so I'm sitting on the couch, and she's, I didn't get permission to share this story, and it looks like she's upset with me, uh, but, but I was sitting on the couch doing some work, and she walks in from the grocery store, and in a split second, I see this glass jar of eggnog fall and rip through this bag, and for a split second, I'm like, ooh, eggnog, that sounds good, and then it shatters on the floor and spills everywhere. So if you want to donate to New Carpet in the Clay's household, I'll see you after church. But that was an unexpected surprise, right? It was good for like a split second, and then it's just, there's work to be done. Surprises come in many shapes and sizes. Um, but we've had some good surprises in the Bible, amen? We're going to look at a story today, and I'm not sure it's quite a surprise. Uh, but around Christmas time, pastors all over the country come up with sermon titles about expecting the unexpected, right? I'm not sure how we can do that. How can we expect the unexpected? Even this series is called, you know, the, the unexpected king. This is kind of the tagline of this Advent series. The problem is that there's nothing about this King Jesus that should have been unexpected, right? We can read from even from Genesis that, that, the, that, that I will put enmity between you and the woman and and, you, and, and, and between your seed and her seed, and he shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. The he in this prophecy is obviously Jesus, right? Even from Genesis, Jesus is prophesied. They call it the uh, Proto-Evangelium, uh, I think, the first gospel. It's nothing to be unexpected about Jesus coming this season. His birth was not unexpected. This Christmas, I don't think God's desire for us is to expect the unexpected. I think it's to expect the expected. Sometimes we can be expecting something, but not really expecting it, right? We're going to read about that a little more. You see, the gift from God that he has given has not only been planned, but delivered. There's nothing to be surprised by. It's already been delivered. There's nothing unexpected about it. When you were a kid, did you ever know like exactly what was under the tree for you? My nephew has this uncanny ability to just pick up a present and he knows what it is. 
and it's kind of annoying. He'll come up to you. He's like, I think, I think you got me a video game this year. I'm like, oh, you ruined the surprise. That's a, that was a lot of fun. Thanks. We enjoyed that. So now we, we put him in bigger boxes so he doesn't really know what it is, and it's a little more of a surprise. Because when the surprise is ruined, it's ruined for the gift giver, right? But I don't think Jesus was supposed to be a surprise. I don't think God meant for that to be a surprise. He wouldn't have sent prophets to tell us about Jesus if it was meant to be a surprise. He, he expected that we were to expect him. You know, John the Baptist, his whole life's purpose was to tell of Jesus' coming. The coming of Jesus was about expectation, not about surprise. It's like the expectation that a mother experiences when, she, when she's expecting a child. Or our military spouse experiences when they're waiting for their soldier to come home, knowing he'll be here in three months, two months, one month, three weeks. It's expectation. It was like the expectation that the Jews experienced as they wandered in the desert for 40 years, knowing that the promised land was out there, but they had to wait. Like the expectation that the Jewish world experienced as they waited for their coming Messiah. I wonder what that expectation was like. I think we sang a little bit about it just now. There's a reason that song is written in a minor key. It wasn't the best time in the world when they were expecting Jesus, when they were hoping and praying for a Savior. I think over the past couple of years, we've gotten a little bit of a taste of that. The Jews were in a world that was longing for hope and for justice. And if you look back over the news cycle of the past year or two years, three years, we've seen a world longing for hope and for justice. We can even read in, in ancient Jewish writings, prayers for a king Messiah to come. One writer writes, Behold and rise unto them their king, the son of David, in the time which thou, O God, knowest, that he may reign over God in Israel thy servant. He's praying for this king Messiah to come. He continues and says, Convict the sinners in the thoughts of their hearts. That sounds like Jesus. Gather together a, a holy people whom, we shall lead, whom he, he shall lead in righteousness. I believe our world, like this ancient Jewish writer, is longing for a king who will come and reign with a holy army, saving the world from its sin. But our world, and many of us like, the Jewish, like this Jewish writer, are not expecting the expected. Remember, he will crush your head, and you shall bruise his heel. The writer continued, uh, praying that this king would not suffer iniquity, to lodge in their midst. Here's what we realize. He wasn't expecting the expected. Because when that king came, when Jesus came, there was no room at the inn. And as he grew up, there was nowhere for him to lay his head. And those same Jews who were praying for a Messiah to come, praying for a Savior, praying for a king, they said, you're not it. And they killed him. When the Messiah finally did come, their trust in the Lord failed. I wonder if we've killed the gift we've been hoping for, praying for. What is it you've been praying for, hoping for this Christmas season, church? Not the present you hope you find under the tree, the peace you're hoping to find. You know, the, the scientists in the psychological world, they, they call it balance in life. I think that's part of it, but I think there's something more to that. It's a peace that surpasses all understanding. That's what we're hoping for. In the book of Luke, we read about another man named Zechariah who failed to expect the expected. Only God delivered exactly what Zechariah asked for, just as he delivered Jesus. We're going to read about Zechariah this morning. Can we pray real quick? Father, I thank you for allowing us to, to join together in this house and worship you. 
to rejoice in your name and to, to rejoice in the expectation we have for your son to come again. Father, we thank you and we praise you for his first coming, for the, for the saving grace that he has bestowed upon us. But Father, I pray even in this moment that we can learn to expect the expected. Father, to not be surprised by what you're doing, but to expect that you are good and that you have a plan for us. Father, this morning as we read and, and as we study, Father, would my words be acceptable to you? Father, would I just be a mouthpiece for your words this morning? Amen. I want to start in, in Luke 1. I think the, the story of Zechariah gives us a powerful outline of, of what, how it looks to expect when you're expecting. Let's start in verse 5. Uh, there it is. In the days of Herod, the king of Judah, there was a priest named Zechariah of the division of Abijah, and, his, and he had a wife from the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and statutes of the Lord. But they had no child because Elizabeth was barren, and both were advanced in years. Now when he was serving as priest before God, when his division was on duty, according to the custom of the priesthood, he was chosen by lot to enter the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And the whole multitude of people were praying outside the hour of incense. And they appeared, and there appeared to him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And Zechariah was troubled when he saw him, and fear fell upon him. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear a son, and you shall call him John. And you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great before the Lord. And he must not drink wine or strong drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit, even, for his, even from his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. And he will go before them in the, hearts of the, in the power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the father to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just, to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. What I love about Zechariah in, in this passage is that he was a righteous, a holy man, but with problems, right? He was righteous, he was holy, he was a priest. And he said he married a woman from a righteous family. They obeyed all the rules. They were spotless and, and clean, but they still had problems. You know, the world will lead you to believe that Christians have a God, and if they do have that God, that they shouldn't experience any problems. The gospel tells us that our God is bigger than our problems. We have problems, we have a God who is bigger than our problems. Zechariah's problem was that Elizabeth was barren. Elizabeth, was, Elizabeth was, was looked down upon in that time because she wasn't able to provide Zechariah with a son, with a child. It was a disgrace, and she felt shame and guilt. And surely Zechariah felt that same shame and guilt and felt sorry for his wife and just prayed, God, would you bring balance to this area of my life? Would you bring peace to this area of my life? We can even uh, assume that, that, that Zechariah even prayed for joy to return to his life, right? He wanted just, just to be happy, just to be normal. Have you ever just gotten honest with God and asked just to be happy again? God, if I could just be happy again. I don't, I don't even need this thing, but just let, just let me be happy. Maybe Zechariah was even praying something like, if you just give me a son, I promise uh, he'll serve you. Right? How many of us have prayed that before? If you just save me this one time, I'll serve you at church. If you just give me this one time, I'll give back to the church. We've all prayed that before. You see, Zechariah was praying in expectation that he would give him a son, but he lost hope. After so many years of praying and asking for a son, 
during the childbearing years and not receiving the son, not receiving the child, praying as Elizabeth got even a little older, Lord, if it's possible, could you bring me a son, bring me a child? But then as they got into old age, the dream, the hope was faded. How many times have we continued to pray and God didn't show up? The hope, the dream was faded. Zechariah knew what to expect from God. He was a priest. He had studied the Torah. He, he knew about the Jewish story of the Jews in, in, in wandering for 40 years. He knew it could take 40 years for a prayer to be answered. He knew that God could take his time, but he, get, he lost hope. He, he gave up hope. He knew what to expect, but he wasn't praying in expectation. He wasn't expecting the expected. I don't know what you're hoping for today, church. I don't know what your prayer is, but maybe you've given up hope. I, I encourage you to pick it back up. Expect the expected. We read about a God who answers prayers. It may take time, but expect the expected. Pray with expectation. We read that, that God is going to answer Zechariah's prayer in full. He said, I'm going to give you a son. He's even going to be powerful. He's going to do mighty things. He's going to come before uh, the Lord Jesus who is to come. But we'll read that, that Zechariah, though praying in expectation at one point, wasn't expecting the expected. Continuing in verse 18, Zechariah said to the angel, How shall I know this? For I am an old man, and my wife is advanced in years. Lord, how is that going to happen? How is that going to work? We've prayed that before, right? God, I know that your word says you'll answer prayers, but the way I'm calculating it, it's not going to work. And then the angel said, I'm Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God. I was sent to speak to you and bring you this good news. And behold, you will be silent and, un and unable to speak until the day that these things take place, because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their time. And the people were waiting for Zechariah, and they were wondering at his delay in the temple. And when he came out, he was unable to speak to them. And they realized that he had seen a vision in the temple. And he had kept making signs to them and remaining mute. And when his time of service was ended, he went home to his wife. After these days, his wife Elizabeth conceived. And for five months, she kept herself hidden, saying, Thus the Lord has done for me in the days when he looked on me to take away my reproach among people. He did for her in those days what he said he would do. He took away her reproach. The shame was gone. The guilt was gone. Finally, peace had come. Balance had come to her life. But Zechariah was punished for his disbelief. But it wasn't only a punishment, it was a sign. Just like when, when, when Paul was on the road to Damascus and he was struck blind because he couldn't see the truth. He refused to see the truth. Zechariah was struck mute because he refused to speak, to testify to the truth. I believe there's always a purpose for God's punishment. You know, a father does not, or a, a father who does not love their child doesn't punish them. But a father who loves their child will punish their child so they know how they are to come up. They know the rules they're supposed to obey to, to be safe and, and to have peace in their life and balance in their life. Our God, our Father, he punishes us because he has a plan for us that's greater than what we can see. Zechariah's plan was just to have a family with a kid and and not to be made fun of anymore, and, and not to feel the disgrace of the culture. But God's plan for Zechariah was to have a child who would be the forerunner of Christ. You see, God's plan for our lives are so much bigger than we can see. We pray expecting one thing, but God calls us to pray expecting what we cannot expect. Maybe that's where we expect the unexpected. But what we can do is we can trust in God. 
God needed these men. He needed Paul. He needed Zechariah to take time to realize the importance of what God was doing in their lives. Zechariah needed this time out to, to understand what it was he was been praying for was bigger than he had expected. I heard a story of, of two for, farmers, uh, you've probably heard this before, who desperately needed rain. They were godly men, God-fearing men. They prayed, God, would you bring the rain? And it didn't come. And then the next year they said, God, please bring the rain. And it didn't come. Both of them praying the third year, God, would you please send the rain? And the third year it finally came. And one of the farmers rejoiced because he had planted seed. He had sowed the field ready for the rain to come, ready to reap a harvest. But the other farmer only had mud. He didn't sow the seed. He knew he could pray to God and that God would send the rain eventually, but he didn't expect he expected. He didn't plant the seed in his life to prepare for what God was doing in, in the meantime. You know, we can pray for rain, but if there's no seed in the ground, we just get mud. I think Zechariah was just praying for rain, but hadn't planted, the, hadn't planted the seed yet. We can hope for things to get better, but if we're not really ready for them to get better, if we're not really trusting that God will make them better, they're just not going to get better. We get mud. We can pray for God to fix our problems, but if we don't plant the seed, all we get is mud. Have you planted the seed in, in your life this morning, church? You know, Zechariah, after he was struck mute, he went home, and I think he planted some seed. Amen? You know what I mean? Elizabeth wasn't the one who had the immaculate conception. That was Mary. He planted some seed. Church, maybe you need to go home and, and plant some seed this morning. In your finances, if you don't have a budget, if you don't prepare for the money to come in, all you're going to have is a lot of money and a lot of problems. If you don't plant the seed with your wife or your husband to, to build a family that's going to be strong, all you're going to have is a family that's weak. If you don't plant the seed and finally call that counselor and set up a counseling session to, to work on your mental health, all you're going to have is imbalance and, 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 and not peace. If you don't pick up the running shoes and, and start running, you're not going to have any physical health. We've got to plant the seed, church. Maybe you need to go home and pull out your Bible and start planting the seed in your spiritual life. Expect what it is you've been asking for by planting that seed. If we skip to verse 57, we can read that Zechariah, his prayer was answered. Let me find it here. The father Zechariah was filled with the Holy Spirit. That's 67. 57. Now the time came for Elizabeth to give birth to her son, to give birth, and she bore a son. And her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown great mercy on her, and they rejoiced with her. And on the eighth day they came to circumcise the child, and they would have called him Zechariah after his father. But his mother answered, No, he shall be called John. They had the son. They named him John, and Zechariah's prayer was answered after all of those years. In your church, your prayer may not get answered on your timeline. Your prayer may not get answered when you think things should align and, and work. Your prayer gets, an, gets answered on God's timeline. God doesn't just want to give things to you. He wants to do things through you. If we just wait for God to give us things, all we get is things. But if we wait for God to do things through us, we get to see a legacy that takes place. Zechariah gets to see a legacy that takes place with, takes place with his son the forerunner of the gospel, the forerunner of Jesus Christ. Our God is good. 
He wants to do good things for you, but it's not about you. It's about his kingdom. He, he does not want to give you good things just to give you good things. He wants to give you good things to advance his kingdom. He is a gift giver, but it's bigger than that. He wants to do things through you. Your life matters beyond just you. Your life matters to the kingdom. So in the pain that you're in right now, know that God sees your pain. In the unpeace, the unbalance that you have right now, God, know that God sees you in that time. And know that God is working. For years, Zechariah prayed for a son, but it took many, many years to get the son. Continue to pray, church. Continue to pray in expectation. Continue to expect the expected. In verse 61, pick back up. They said to her, none of your relatives is called by this name. Why would you name your son John? That doesn't make sense. And they made signs to his father inquiring what he wanted to call him. Are you sure? You guys can't really talk. You sure you want him to name him John? He said, I asked for a writing tablet, and he wrote, his name is John. And they all wondered, and immediately his mouth was opened and his tongue was loosed, and he spoke, blessing God. And fear came on the neighbors, and all the things were, they were talked about through all the hill country of Judea. And all who heard them laid them up in their hearts, saying, what then will this child be? For the hand of the Lord was on them. When you allow God to get things through you, not just to you, he will use you for greater purposes. When you expect what is expected from our God, when we plant the seed in preparation for the rain, prayers are answered and peace flows. Instead of the mud, peace flows. Zechariah, when he was finally able, after three months, uh, not three months, multiple months of silence, to testify the truth of God, he wrote on a tablet, his name is John, and he could speak. Maybe God is keeping you silent right now. Maybe you need a time out right now to really realize what God is doing in your life. But as soon as you are able to testify the truth, as soon as you are able to see the truth, he will loosen those things. When you write his name is John, what does he need you to write on your tablet this season? Maybe it's not his name is John. Maybe it's my God loves me. Testify that truth. My God hears me. I am a sinner. What is the truth you haven't been truly been able to believe yet? He has a purpose for my life. He's calling me to ministry. He's calling me to step up in the home. He's calling me to lead. Expect the expected. When we testify that truth, our problems are taken care of. Finally, we see Zechariah rejoice in expectation. He rejoiced in expectation. Verse 64, it says he, he, he blessed the Lord as soon as he was able to speak. And then following in, in verse 68, this is on the screen. I'm just going to read it for you. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel. This is Zechariah speaking. For he has visited and redeemed my people and raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of the servant David. As he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets from old, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us to show the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant, the oath that he swore to our father, Abraham, to grant us that we, being delivered from the hand of our enemies, might serve him without fear. And holiness and righteousness before him in all our days. Listen, and you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High. For you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation to his people and the forgiveness of their sins because of the tender mercy of our God. Whereby the, the sunrise shall visit us from on high, to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shallow of death, in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the way of peace. Zechariah rejoiced in expectation. He, he knew that it was not finished yet. 
when you receive the blessing, it's not done yet. God is still preparing you for his kingdom. Especially in, in verse 76 and 77, this one is on the screen, Donovan. It says, and you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High. You will go before the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation to his people and forgiveness of their sins. Zechariah was looking towards the future of what John was called to do. He was called to be the forerunner of, of Jesus. God had not fallen asleep on Zechariah. He was waiting for just the right time to move in Zechariah's life. Believe it or not, I'm closing already. Ingrid, would you come? I don't know about you, but this Christmas season, I've been feeling a little bit like Zechariah. He wanted peace. He wanted that balance. And we've talked about this a little bit here, Pastor John has shared, but if you look around the culture, it just seems like people aren't really at peace. When you pass people in the grocery store, when you talk to your friends, there's no peace. I've been a little bit like that, that Christmas song, my, my grown-up Christmas list. Just want peace on earth. Want everyone to have a friend. Want everyone to experience the peace uh, of Christ this Christmas. And if you were the person that I passed in the grocery store and there's no peace, I want you to know that you can find peace this Christmas in Christ. We're expecting the expected. We can read and know what it's going to look like, church. We don't have to wait for a surprise. We can come to him today and know that there is peace. There's a poem by Henry Wadsworth Longfellow that I recall every Christmas, and especially so this year. It's one of my favorites, and I'd like to read it for you. It says, I heard the bells on Christmas Day. Their old familiar carols play, and wild and sweet the words repeat of peace on earth, goodwill to men. And thought how as the day had come, the belfries of all Christendom had rolled along the unbroken song of peace on earth, goodwill to men. Till ringing, singing on its way, the world revolved from night to day. A voice, a chime, a chant sublime of peace on earth, goodwill to men. Then from each black, accursed mouth, the cannon thundered in the south. And with the sound, the carols drowned of peace on earth, will to men. It was, as if, it was as if an earthquake rent the heart stones of contentment and made forlorn the households born of peace on earth goodwill to men. And in despair I bowed my head. There is no peace on earth, I said, for hate is strong and mocks the song of peace on earth goodwill to men. But then church, then pealed the bells more loud and deep. God is not dead, nor doth he sleep. The wrong shall fail, the right prevail with peace on earth, goodwill to men. Those bells that we hear ringing are not just bells, church. They're the voice of our Lord crying for your heart. Peace is here. And, and though hate is strong, God is not dead, nor does he sleep. The wrong will fail. The right will prevail, and you too can experience the peace of Christ this Christmas. My prayer is that if you've been praying like Zechariah, and you've reached the point where you're bowing your head in despair, and you're saying there is no peace on earth anymore, that you will be reminded that hope is here. We find our hope in Christ this morning. Expect the expected. His name is Jesus. I pray that you will 
experience Jesus, our, our Savior, our Savior this Christmas, who will come and bring you peace on earth and goodwill to all men and women and children. Amen. Would you stand with me as we pray and praise him? You can come. Father, we thank you this morning for your son. For the Savior that he is. And Father, though we bow our heads in despair and profess that there is no more hope for this life, that there is no more peace in this earth, we turn to you this morning. We pick up the hope we have lost, Father. We ask you to restore it in our hearts. Father, I pray for those this morning who are experiencing trouble in their life, experiencing problems in their life. Father, I pray that they can find your peace this morning. It's peace that can't be found just anywhere. It can only be found in you. It's a peace that surpasses all understanding. So Father, I ask that we would plant seeds starting this morning. Father, would you give us the strength just to pick up one more day and start planting seeds? Father, like the farmer who expected your rain, can we just plant seed this morning? Father, we ask for your help. You are our hope, not just at Christmas time, not just at Easter, every day of the year. Father, I pray we can experience you this morning. Amen. Church, I've asked the praise team to sing No Longer Slaves again. Would you sing with us? It says that we're no longer slaves to fear, and I think the opposite of fear is peace. We're no longer slaves to fear because we have peace this morning. Would you sing that? Would you make that your prayer this morning? Praise you. I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God. And I'm no longer a slave to fear. Let's sing, I'm no longer. And I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God. And I'm no longer a slave to
this morning. I pray that as you leave, you will find that you are a child of God. There's no more fear, only peace. The bells are ringing and they're calling your name, church. Will you answer them this morning? Go in peace, church. Be blessed. We'll see you next week. Merry Christmas. This podcast is a member of the Grace River Podcast Network. To listen to more of the podcasts in our network, head over to graceriverva.com slash media. We would love for you to join us in person or online on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. for our weekend worship experience. Our campus is located at 5045 Indian River Road in Virginia Beach, Virginia, or you can find us online at graceriverva.com. Grace River exists so that every generation can experience the transforming power of God in every area of their lives.